This week in part two of Understanding Ingredients, we're going to look at beef, pork, chicken, and fish. This is the companion episode to Friday's uh, Understanding Ingredients part one, where we talked about everything from rice and beans to potatoes and peppers and a lot of stuff in between. So today we're going to look at the most common cuts and types of meat, how to use them, how to buy them, and why it is important to know this. Now, knowing what cuts of meat to use for what recipe or cooking technique will make cooking easier and yield better results. For example, cooking a tough cut of beef like a steak um, may make you think you can't cook a steak when in fact you're just using the wrong cut. On the flip side of that, using an expensive cut like tenderloin for stew is just a waste. So let's get to it. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, and this is Understanding Ingredients Part 2 meat, poultry, and seafood. Beef. Beef comes in many shapes and sizes. It can be quite daunting standing at the butcher counter on the, or the meat aisle at the grocery store. You don't want to buy the wrong cut for what you're doing, but maybe you don't really know what the right cut is. Well, here we are going to break down beef into the most common cuts you'll find at the grocery store, and we will look at what you can do with them. So let's start right off with ground beef. First and foremost, we have ground beef. You've seen it, you've used it, you're familiar with it, you love it. The only real note about ground beef is to watch which one you're buying. Generally, you're going to see extra lean, lean, medium, and just regular ground beef. This is in Canada. I recently learned that in the States, you guys uh, actually list the percentages of fat. We don't do that. But I'm going to say that the lean, medium, extra lean ground beef refers to the percentage of fat in the ground uh, that is ground into the meat, not the size of the grind itself. Regular ground beef contains no more than 30% fat. Medium ground beef has no more than 23% fat. Lean beef has no more than 17% fat. And extra lean beef has no more than 10% fat. Though it seems logical that for most purposes you may want the extra lean ground beef, this isn't always the case. In fact, for a lot of purposes, extra lean ground beef will not do. When formed into a burger, meatloaf, or meatball, extra lean ground beef can take on a dry, mealy texture, which is unpleasant. This is due exclusively to the lack of fat present in the meat. Fat in ground meat adds flavor and texture to the finished product. However, too much fat can make foods feel greasy and unpleasant in their own right. That's why I prefer medium ground beef as a good all-purpose choice. For some uses, such as sauce making, you may prefer to use the extra lean ground. Although the resulting sauce will have less overall fat, it will also have less overall flavor and the same texture as a sauce made with ground turkey or chicken. If low fat is your goal, then use extra lean for sure. But if you're just trying to cut the fat back a little, use lean. And if you don't want to sacrifice taste for less fat, use medium. The other main thing to think about when it comes to choosing the right ground beef is the price. The leaner the more the leaner the meat, the more expensive it will be. Meat costs more than fat. So the more fat in the grind, the less it will cost. Again, this is why I prefer medium ground beef. It's cheaper than lean or extra lean. And if you really want, you can pour some of the fat off after it's cooked. Braising. In the next section, uh, we'll cover some basic cooking techniques. Uh, so that'll be uh, next the next episode. As part of that, we'll look in-depth at braising, so I'm not going to get too much into it here. But what I will say is braising is a technique best used for tough pieces of meat. Generally, the more uh, muscle gets used, the tougher it will be, but also the more flavorful. 
Ideal pieces of meat for braising come from the most used parts of an animal's bodies. These cuts of meat are also typically cheaper. Because of this, there is a serious benefit to learning the technique of braising. Now let's take a look at some cuts of beef that you will likely encounter in the grocery store that are ideal for braising. Beef oxtail. Oxtail is what it sounds like, kind of. It's the tail of a cow, ox, bison, or any kind of cattle. It's not usually ox, but it is called an oxtail. It used to be dirt cheap, like even only a couple of years ago. But then high-end restaurants all over the place started to use it, and so did the Food Network, and the price went through the roof. The prices are still very high for a cut of meat that used to be a throwaway. As I'm sure you can imagine, a cow uses its tail a lot. This means that oxtail is likely very tough, which of course it is. Oxtail is most commonly used in soup, in Jamaican food, or even to make ravioli, but it is pretty much always braised because it is so tough. Also, buco means bone with a hole in Italian. And the reason they call it this is that it is a cut across the bone, leaving a little hole with bone marrow in it, and it's from the shin of a veal or a beef. When the osso is cooked, that marrow mostly melts away, leaving a hole. And the term osso also refers to an Italian dish made with this specific cut of beef. This cut comes from the shank or shin of the cow. Again, as you can imagine, it is a well-used piece of meat. Osso is very cheap at the grocery store, though you often have to pick through what is on display because some of the cuts will have little to no meat on them. Other uses for this include soup and stock. Stewing beef. Stewing beef is most often sold already cut up at the grocery store. Uh, at the grocery store, stewing beef is generally leftover roasts that haven't sold and are close to going off. If you buy it this way, use it within 24 hours. Generally, the beef used for this for stew is also known as chuck, which is also most commonly used for ground beef. Chuck comes from the front shoulder of the cow, which is a very used muscle. If you can't find chuck beef, you can cut up a sirloin or rump roast. But try not to buy cut up stew meat at the grocery store because, again, it's just old roasts that haven't sold. Short ribs. Beef short ribs are exactly what they sound like. Beef ribs that have been cut short. Now, most commonly, beef short ribs are cut about six inches long and have a piece of meat of varying thickness. There is a second style of short rib that is most often used in Korean cooking. Korean short ribs are thin cut across the bone and may consist of two to three pieces of bone. This style of short rib is generally marinated and quickly grilled, while the thicker single-style ribs are braised. Steaks. Other than ground beef, I think it is fair to say that the most popular way to eat beef is in the form of steaks. As we all know, there are multiple cuts of steak out there. Let's take a look at which one is which. Strip loin, also known as a New York strip. A strip steak is a cut from the short loin, which comes from the top back third of the cow. The short loin is a muscle that is lightly exercised, making it nice and tender. Generally, the strip loin is sold cap on, meaning there is a cap of fat up to one inch thick on top of the steak. Strip loins are good steaks. Uh, however, there is typically very little marbling. Marbling means fat distribution throughout the meat. This lack of marbling leads to less flavor than some other steaks. Strip loins are best grilled, pan-fried, or broiled. Ribeye or rib steak. The ribeye, also known as a Delmonico steak, is cut from the center rib section of the cow. Some people find it to be a fatty cut. However, to myself and people like me, that fat makes the ribeye one of the best cuts of steak. Beef tenderloin. Beef tenderloin or filet is the, is the most 
tender cut of steak. Well, one of the most tender cuts of steak. As you can probably guess by now, it is a muscle that pretty much never gets used. That's why it is so tender. However, what the beef tenderloin has in tenderness, it lacks in flavor. The tenderloin is also a fairly small muscle. The small size uh, and its tenderness is what makes tenderloin so expensive. And if you're wondering, a T-bone steak is essentially a strip loin and a uh, a tenderloin in, in, in one bunch, if you were wondering about that. Chicken. When buying chicken, your op options are actually fairly limited. You can buy whole chickens, chicken legs, thigh and drum, thighs, bone and skin on, or boneless skinless, breast, bone and skin on, or boneless skinless, or what's known as an airline breast, which is skin on, one wing bone still attached and cleaned, and wings. If you live in Europe, you may also have the option of buying a young or old chicken. The old chickens are egg layers that have gone past their laying prime. We don't have these in North America. It is important to note that the more something is processed, the more expensive it is going to be. This is true. This is as true for a chicken as it is for anything else. So a boneless, skinless chicken breast is going to be considerably more expensive than the chicken breast, which still has the bones and skins on. If you're roasting your chicken breast, I would recommend buying a bone and skin on. Once the breast is cooked and the meat can be easily pulled away from the bones, the skin will pull off easily and can be thrown away or eaten because it's delicious. This will cost you 10 to 15% less than buying boneless, skinless breast, and it is likely going to taste better because the skin and the bones help to add flavor and keep the chicken breast moist. In terms of use, whole chickens are terrific when roasted or grilled. Whole legs can be braised, roasted, or grilled, or barbecued. Thighs can be roasted, diced, or stewed, uh, made into a curry, or grilled. Chicken breasts can be roasted, grilled, or cut into thin strips and stir-fried. Uh, there are obviously other ways to cook chicken and chicken pieces, but these are the most common and the best suited to each part. This, surprisingly, despite the fact that I live right on the Atlantic Ocean, looking at it right now, the types of fish that we are able to regularly get are fairly limited. Generally, at the grocery store, we're going to see haddock, salmon, char on occasion, cod, and halibut. On occasion, we may see red snapper, trout, or mackerel. And of course, there are always mussels, clams, lobster, and scallops. When it comes to fish, there are two types, round fish and flatfish. Examples of round fish include salmon, haddock, trout, etc. Flatfish include halibut and sole, and many more you are unlikely to see. The main difference between round fish and flatfish is obviously their shape. However, there is one other important difference. A flatfish yields four fillets, while a round fish yields only two. This only really matters if you are buying a whole fish and cleaning them yourself. Flatfish, halibut. Halibut is the most common flatfish you're going to encounter at your local grocery store, at least in where I live. It is a delicious fish with a white, firm, meaty flesh and tough skin that isn't eaten. Halibut can be grilled, poached, pan-fried, or roasted. It is a clean, mild flavor and is very lean when compared to fattier fish like salmon. Round fish, salmon. Salmon is the most commonly eaten fish in North America. It has flesh which ranges in color from pink to bright orange. Due to overfishing, most, if not all, Atlantic salmon is farmed, while most specific salmon are still wild caught. The main difference between wild and farmed salmon is in flavor and environmental impact. Farmed fish have a bad reputation of wreaking havoc on local ecosystems and indigenous salmon populations. However, through regulation, higher industry standards, and new technologies, these issues are improving over time. It is very likely that in the near future, the vast majority of fish sold and consumed will be farmed. 
Salmon can be grilled, roasted, broiled, poached, smoked, hot or cold, or pan-fried. Both the flesh and skin, when descaled, can be eaten. Trout, arctic char are also members of the salmon family and can be prepared in most of the same ways. Haddock is another very common round fish. It is commonly sold as fully cleaned fillets. Haddock has flaky white flesh with a mild flavor, uh, and it can be pan-fried, roasted, smoked, or deep-fried. Now, again, these are the most common fish uh, varieties where I live, where you live, especially if you live near the ocean uh, or in the southern states. You're probably going to find different varieties, but this, again, is just what we have available here, even though I do live literally right on the Atlantic Ocean. Pork is a delicious and economical choice when walking through the aisle of the grocery store trying to decide what to eat. It is generally considerably cheaper than both beef and chicken and has more flavor. Most commonly, pork is sold as chops, hams, roast, sausage, or bacon. Let's take a look. Pork chops. Pork chops are cut from the loin of the pig and may or may not have a piece of rib or backbone attached. The loin is one long, lean, continuous muscle. Because of how lean the loin, loin is, Pork chops have a tendency to dry out when overcooked. Anything will dry out when it's overcooked, but pork chops especially. However, the perfectly cooked pork chop is a thing of true and absolute beauty. Pork chops come in a variety of sizes, which range from very thin, fast fried, to very thick, double cut. A very thick double cut pork chop can be as thick as two to three inches. As I've said, excuse me, pork chops come either bone in or bone out. Bone in pork chops tend to be more flavorful and juicy. Excuse me. However, there is a slight trade-off because in order to get the meat just right, um, right next to the bone to be fully cooked, the rest of the chop is typically overcooked. Boneless pork chops, on the other hand, tend to be slightly dry anyway. Pork chops may be grilled, roasted, or pan-fried. And again, the key is do not overcook them. Pork belly. You may or may not run into pork belly in your local grocery store, but if you do, you're in luck. Pork belly is exactly what it sounds like, the belly meat of the pig. And for whatever reason, people are often turned off by the term pork belly. However, these same people will crush a few strips of bacon at breakfast every day. Bacon is smoked pork belly. In Western cooking, other than using it for bacon, we don't have a great tradition of using pork belly. That is our loss. For my money, pork belly is the best part of the pig. It does have a fair amount of fat, but that's why I like it. Typically, pork belly is cooked by braising or slow roasting. Often it will be cooked a second time with a high heat method such as grilling, deep frying, or pan frying. Pork shoulder. Pork shoulder comes from the upper part of the front shoulder of the pig. This is the meat that is more commonly used to make sausage because it has the perfect ratio of meat to fat. Another common use for pork shoulder is to make pulled pork. You may also see shoulder steaks, uh, which are pieces of shoulder cut into long, thin pieces. These are best marinated and roasted or grilled. I also like to take these shoulder steaks, slice them thin, and use that meat to make stir fries or fried rice or even skewers. Pork tenderloin. Pork tenderloin is a very common cut. It is a short piece of meat, typically about 10 to 12 inches long, and very lean. Like the loin, it is prone to overcooking because it is so lean. And it's best if you add a fat to it, like if you wrap it in bacon or prosciutto or you stuff it. Um, not a big fan of pork loin on its own, if I'm being completely honest. Conclusion. We just talked about a lot of meat. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I find that so funny. Um, but we did. We, we went through a lot of ingredients today. Um, and this concludes the basic ingredient portion of this free cooking course. Um, I mean, there's not really much to say in conclusion. You know, check out these different cuts. Uh, I hope that you learned something from this. Now we'll be back on Wednesday with the final episode of the year. So come back then. Have a great day, everybody. I hope that you're all getting ready for Christmas. And I will talk to you on Wednesday. See you soon. Oh, this is Chef's Notes. No, this is Food and Five. I'm Chef Ben. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Chef Ben Kelly. Uh, and you can read all these posts and so many more uh, at chefsnotes.com. Have a great one. See you soon.